So we are uh, wrapping up this little series that we've been working on for a few weeks called The Disease of Me. And the idea behind this series is that all of us are carriers of a sickness that gets us in all kinds of trouble, right? This is the working definition of the disease of me that we've developed as we move forward. The disease of me is a sickness of which I am a carrier that is caused by my selfishness that leaves us and this world in great sorrow and leaves us shackled as well. You guys know what shackled means? It's one of those old-fashioned words that we don't use very often anymore, but it means trapped. It means chained. And it presents this picture of us not being able to do what we need to do. And so as we wrap up this series on this disease that we all carry, one of the reasons why it's so important that we get over the selfishness is not just because of the sorrow that selfishness brings, but because selfishness limits us. It shackles us. So I've been thinking, what kind of a metaphor could we use to talk about the scripture I want to talk about today? If you have your Bibles, it's going to be found in Romans chapter 7, starting, I think, at verse 14. If you want to look it up on version on your phone, there are some notes there as well. Just click events and click on church together and you can see some extra little quotes and notes as well. But the first thought I had in terms of a metaphor um, came this Wednesday when uh, Jonathan and I got our hair cut. And he gave me permission to share this story, so it's okay because Tracy's given a sympathetic look. It's okay, we checked beforehand. <laughs> and we both go to get our hair cut. You didn't notice, I didn't hear any compliments or anything. <laughs> it goes great, thank you, all right, <laughs> that's good. So I'm sitting in my chair getting my hair cut, and Jonathan's sitting in his chair getting his hair cut, when all of a sudden there's this noise of like scissors been put on the work desk. This lady kind of takes a little vest thing off Jonathan and says, you need to go sit in the reception area, halfway through his haircut. And all of a sudden, like the daddy stuff in me is like kind of, uh, you know, wondering what's going on, and I'm ready to get more assertive than probably would have been good in that situation. The lady comes up to me and she says, you knew, didn't you? And I said, I said, what? She said, the lice. And I said, no, we, we really just came in because we wanted a haircut. We didn't come in for any other reason. And she kind of stormed off and she went and she gathered up all her stuff while Jonathan's in the lobby and I'm in the chair all kind of started wondering what, what's going on. She picked up her stuff. She went to the back and she started sterilizing everything. Huh? Yes, yeah, she, she left and believe me, we had words with Lots of high up people <laughs> who work at that thing, right? So, so, so I'm like, Come, what's, what's going on? So the lady quickly finished my hair. And uh, I said, well, are you going to finish Jonathan's hair? She said, no, 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 I can't, I can't touch that. And apparently that's a thing. You can't cut hair if they have a visibly contagious disease, right? Which sounds lovely, doesn't it? <laughs> so, so I said, wait, one, you just humiliated my son. And, and now you're going to leave him with half a haircut? She said, yeah, there's nothing we can do. 
Fortunately, my, um, the lady who cut my hair said, I'll take it. And she finished it off and she made him look incredibly handsome like he does to me. But this lady was so shocked at this disease, this disease, these lice, that she wanted nothing to do. Even before I'd finished my haircut, she was lysoling her whole station down. And there's lots that may be very angry about that, but the one positive that I found, and it took me a while to get it, <laughs> was that she was really, really passionate about clearing up this disease, right? And I thought, again, trying to find the positive, how much more should we be passionate about trying to fight this disease of me that lives within us, right? Every time we see one of the lice of life, right, that causes great sorrow and shackles us, we should be like that lady with her stuff just trying to clean and sterilize everything. The good news is that evening we did sterilize everything and we're all lice free and all the cuddly toys are clean and the whole, the whole thing. I love that lady's passion. Are you crying? Okay, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, 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 we've all been there. It's not, not, not pretty. Um, where was it going? So, so I love that lady's passion, right, to get rid of the disease of me. But that wasn't the metaphor I want to go with today. So that was a bizarre thing that happened on Wednesday. On Monday, before that, I shared one of the b- bizarrest emails that I think I've written in a long time. And I wrote it to my friend, Laura right? Laura works at Cusbury Police Department. She's a former officer. Now she writes all the policies and protocols and all that very interesting stuff. It is very interesting stuff. Right, Laura? You love it. That's good. And and my request to Laura to try and find a metaphor for um, today was if I could borrow some of her handcuffs, right? Strange email to get. I'm sure you don't get many of those. And she said, I have a better idea I will come and I will bring the handcuffs with me, right? So I want to talk about three shifts that happened today and how this disease of me shackles us. The first is that we are captured. No, the first is that we are caught. The second is that we are captured. And then thirdly, we are released. All right, so, so Laura, come here. We're going to try something. I have never done this before. I have never been in handcuffs before. Has anyone... Yeah. <laughs> you do have the key? I do have the key. All right, okay. <laughs> All right. Would you like me to put it up there so you have No, I trust you. This is a great, this is a trust metaphor, too. <laughs> Are they really? Well, technically, but I'm not putting you under arrest. So. <laughs> I'm going to keep them released again. Again, I appreciate that, too. Of Yeah. 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 Can you just, that's yes. like. Hold on. Actually, I'll make it work. The fact that it's awkward fits with the illustration. Okay. It's so soon. No, it's just uncomfortable. She does this with all the criminals. Yes. Yes, that's good. All right. So, this is the metaphor that I want to talk about today. Huh? 
<laughs> I see this. I see this. Romans chapter 7. Turn to Romans chapter 7. This is why I had to stand because I'm not sure if I can hold my Bible enough. It seems like I can't. Well, let me try because my eyes aren't good enough to do that. All right. <laughs> I'm really in trouble. All right. This is what Paul says. He says, so the trouble with me is not the law, for the law is spiritual and good. The trouble with me is that I am too human, a slave to sin. I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, and I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. But if I know that what I'm doing is wrong, this shows that I agree that the law is good. So I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me. Before that, in the earlier verses, Paul is saying, I'm in trouble. In fact, this man, who was the leader of the church, describes himself as a wretched man, as a sinner, as someone who is constantly making mistakes, someone who, like us, is a carrier of the disease of me. I'm really struggling because I want to <clears throat> I I do my thing. You kind of like it? Right? He's saying, I'm a carrier of the disease of me, and because of that, I've been caught. Now listen to what he says. He says, so the trouble is not with the law, for that is good. The problem is me. You know, a lot of times we try to justify this disease of me, this sickness of myself, by saying it's not my fault, it is someone, something else's fault. What Paul is saying is that that is, is the same as, uh, say, getting caught for speeding. Say you're doing 70 in a 50, or whatever, and saying, it's not my fault, the problem is that the speed limit is too low. <laughs> exactly. I've thought it too, right? What Paul is saying, though, and what all of us need to understand about this disease of me, that the problem is not with the law. The problem is with me. Paul's saying, I've got this sickness, and I can blame this sickness on anything and everything I want, but none of that's going to really help me because the problem is me. He goes on to say that God put the law in place so that I can realize that I have been caught. He's saying, I'm actually grateful for the law. The law is a good thing. Without the law, I'm going to keep doing stupid things. Without the law, this disease of me is going to, to grow and grow and grow within me and cause more harm and more problems for people. He says, I don't want to keep doing the wrong things, but I just can't help it. You ever been there? 
And the reality is, as hard as we try and as often as we try and as often as we move, we just can't stop doing bad things that catch us. You know, you know the, 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 the biggest section in the bookstores, not as many of them around? It's the self-help stuff. You know the things that get the, the, the most kind of likes and all that kind of stuff on social media? It's not the pictures of food or cats. It's the self-help, inspirational stuff. Because we've become addicted to this idea that we can free ourselves. Paul says, if that was possible, then I'd have done it. I don't want to keep doing bad things. I don't want to keep getting caught, but I'm a repeat offender. I just keep doing the wrong things, making the bad decisions. I hope God has, has mercy on my heart because my heart doesn't want to do the wrong things, but my actions do the right things. Paul's saying, I'm caught. This, this law that you all hate, the thing that catches us, man, it feels so bad, but honestly, probably, it's a good thing for us. Because if we, we didn't get caught, then it would cause even more sorrow and more pain in this world. He wraps up this passage by saying, so I am not doing the one doing wrong, it is sin living in me. Think about that. First of all, he's talking about being caught, right? And sometimes we, we blame the law and say, oh, it wasn't my fault. It was the law's fault. Here, he's blaming sin. And in himself, he's kind of separating himself from sin. He, he says, uh, so I am not the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me. Now, that's not an excuse that would stand up in the court of law. That's not an excuse that would really stand up in an argument, too. But he's pointing out something very important. That even though we break the law, even though we are caught, even though our sin shackles, sin isn't who we are. It's something we do. It's something that controls us way too often. But in the very essence of who we are, we are not sinful. We are loved and made and created by a Savior. And the whole point of him saying this verse is to remind us that even though we don't do what we want to do and we keep getting caught, there is hope for us because sin isn't part of our nature. Because we are made fearfully and wonderfully and beautifully in the image of God. And that gives us hope when we're caught. The first thing that Paul says is that we're caught. Sin catches us. And as much as we hate that, that's one of the things that God uses to bring about our salvation. If we weren't caught by sin, we would have no need for the God who saves us. So he says, first of all, we're caught. 
But then he goes on in the next few verses. All right, Lord, you ready for this? If we don't address this idea of being caught, no. Something far worse happens to us. You and me both, Jerry, you and me both. Of course it does. She's a pro. Right? I can't even get to my Bible now. <laughs> Let me see, move the chair. <laughs> Moving the chair kind of uh, breaks down the metaphor, doesn't it, a little bit? But you know, my, isn't that good? This is what Paul says. First of all, we get caught. But unless we address that disease of me that's causing sorrow and is putting us in shackles, if we live like that too long, then the handcuffs move from just restraining us to capturing us. When I just have the handcuffs on, I can walk, I can move around, all that kind of stuff. Once I'm captured, my ability to live fully is limited even more. And that's what Paul says in the next few verses. He says this, And I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I want to do what is right, but I do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. I don't think I read that right. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It's sin living in me. What he's saying is that once I've been captured, I'm in a whole new level of trouble. I, I can't get out of it. I can't go anywhere. I, I can't fulfill those dreams that I have. I, I can't love those that I need to love because, well, I'm just chained to my stuff. I'm just captured by it. You know, part of the problem in our country today, in our world today, is that people are captured by stuff that restrains them. And we love so much junk. We have so much stuff, so much debt, so much need to be affirmed that it captures us. And when we're captured, we can't live freely and do the things that God wants us to do. He says, nothing good lives in me. Man, I know that feeling too. I'm reading a book right now by a guy called Francis Chan, who's one of the uh, country's um, perhaps uh, most prominent Christian leaders. He grew a church and... Uh, you know, to several thousand people in California. And one day he just, he just walked away. And I'm reading a book about why he walked away. And he said, even though things were going really good and the church was doing lots of things, I felt captured by the church. Not the, not the people, but the structures and the, the need to do more and go further. And he says, what happened to the success of our church was actually building my ego. I knew that if I wanted to be a, a leader that God wanted, I need to become more humble. But I found myself in this growing situation where my ego got bigger and bigger. 
And he said, before I knew it, I wasn't just caught by my ego, this sickness. I was captured by it as well. And he said, the only way I could capture and free, uh, free myself from this was by walking away. He says, I know it was bad when I was speaking at a camp once. He said, I did a great job. And God did some really cool things. But I wanted to go to the bonfire and on the closing of that camp on Friday night because I wanted to hear the teenagers Say how much that enjoy my talk. There's a guy who's captured. He said, what I, what I realized about ministry was that, that 50% of what I was doing was good and pleasing and honorable to God, but the other 50% was just feeding my ego. And the more my ego was fed, the more I was getting captured. So Paul says, there's no good that lives in me. We get that in it captures us. He says, the more I try, the more I end up doing the wrong thing. We are caught and we're in trouble. But unless we address that quickly, then we are captured. And when we're captured, we're going nowhere. We're doing nothing. We can't be faithful. We can't do what God asks us to do. And in fact, when we're, when we're tied, when we're yoked with something selfish, we just become more and more and more selfish, living such small and small lives tied to something that we hate. This is what the disease of me does. It catches us, then it captures us. And then Paul shares this, and this is the part I've been looking forward to. <laughs> I've discovered this principle of life, that when I do what is right, I inevitably do what is wrong. Even though the law catches me, I love God's law with all my heart. But there's another power that at war with my mind, this power makes me a slave to sin that is still within me. This is what slavery looks like, right? That's what it sounds like. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from the life that is dominated by sin and death? He's saying we're caught and we're captured. Then he says these glorious words, and Laura, I'll invite you to bring the key with this. <laughs> he says, thank God. The answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you're like being Jesus to me now. I appreciate it. <laughs> but that's what he says, right? We're caught. We're captured. But then when we come to know Jesus, he's got the key and he releases us. And we are free to wave our hands and to live our life and to do what we want to do and to, uh, to do what God wants us to do and to go where God wants us to go. Thank God, he says. In verse 28, these two words, thank God, they are too small a phrase to describe the gratitude for how God frees us, right? He says, but thank God, the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Pat and I always joke because Pat and I use this phrase that's become a cliche 
that says Jesus is the answer. It's a cliche because we use it all the time, but the reality is, in a very thoughtful way, it's true. That's what Paul is saying here. Sin captures us, uh, catches us, and it captures us, but Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the one who liberates us. Jesus is the one who frees us. He says the answer is in Christ Jesus. Here's the reality. All of us are carriers of this selfish disease of me. It has messed up our lives. It has ruined our relationship. It has cost us more than we ever will realize. This disease of me has caught us and found us guilty and wrong. And it has captured us and locked us up so we can't live the great and glorious plans that God has for us. But here's the good news. The answer is in Jesus Christ. The promise of God and the testimony of his saints is that when we put our trust in Jesus, little by little, step by step, he frees us. And he invites us to live a life that's not about ourselves but a life that is much bigger and bolder and better because it's about Him. We're caught. We're captured. But Jesus frees us. We've got this sickness that shackles us. But Jesus releases us. One of the YouTube, uh, YouVersion Bible studies that we've been doing. In it, it had this letter that was written by the author of the study, a guy called Kyle. And he wrote this letter to himself. Because he was over the me in himself. And so I want to share with you this, this letter. Did we put this on the screen, James, or not? No. Okay. All right. It's under you version thing. Let me read it to you. He says, Dear me, I've known you for as long as I can remember. I've been close to a lot of people, but you and me, we've got quite the attachment. Looking back, it's fair to say that I've treated you pretty well. As a matter of fact, More times than I can count, I've put you ahead of anything and everything else. As we were growing up, I tried to make sure that you were always at the front of the line. I saw to it that you got the biggest cookie on the plate, the best parking spot, the comfiest chair in any room we entered. In school, I noticed the little things you liked and I went after them. You always loved attention, so I did everything in my power to see that you got it. 
you still like the spotlight, so I've maneuvered to keep you in its glare. Now that we have the internet, I have more tools. I post only the pictures that show you at your very best. Anybody would think that you are living the dream. Have you seen the comments that people write about you? When you've struggled or had a hard time, I've done my best to keep that our little secret. I tried to make you happy. Sure, it was easier to keep you happy when you were a cute little tyke, a simple temper tantrum got the job done. Then as we grew older, I had to be a little more discreet. You wanted to keep winning and getting your way, all the while looking humble and unassuming. That gets tricky. I love you, me. <laughs> but I can't keep living for you. You always insisted that if I just keep you happy, then I'd be happy. As simple as that. But you know what? It's not as simple as that. It never has been. Me? I've let you be in control and sit in the driver's seat. But it's clear that you can't be trusted. You keep insisting you know the way we should go. But it always seems to be a dead end. I've looked into some other options and I've decided to begin a journey down a different path. It's narrow and difficult and not many choose it, but it leads to real and abundant life. However, and there's no easy way to say this, I can't take this path if I bring you along. So, me, this is the end of you. Sincerely, me. <laughs> we don't want to do it, but we keep getting caught. We want to live free and fully, but this selfish disease of me doesn't just catch us it captivates us. It chains us. It shackles us. And so Paul says, we need a Savior, Jesus, to come and release us. And as we follow him, we say goodbye to the sinful me that's living inside. And we embrace the fullness and the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy and the incredible love of the God who wants the very best for us. If you're living caught, admit your guilt. If you're feeling captured, Get free. But realize the only way to be free is by putting our trust in the only one who lived a perfect life that allowed him to set us free. Let's pray together. Lord, um, Lord, Paul's words written all those years ago make so much sense 
Because in our lives today, we get it. We get caught all the time. And even though we don't often get caught in the sight of our friends and those we love, you know our heart and you see our heart. And you see that our selfishness puts us in chains. Lord, you see when it gets worse, that as we continue down that path of doing wrong, hurting, separating, that we move from just being caught to being captured by being held hostage by, by those things. And so we thank you, Jesus, that you came to free us. That you are the key that sets us free. Lord, as we wrap up this little series, we're all carriers of the disease of me. But we don't want to be anymore. And so we say goodbye to the selfishness of me. And we invite you to take that place in our life, in our heart. And that you would help us to live a life of fullness and a life of freedom. We ask and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.